This week we are going to look at the idea or this idea of stirring one another up unto love and good works. And the, the uh, passage we're going to be looking at this morning is from Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or turn your phone on and don't get distracted, go to your Bible app. Or you can uh, read along on the screen. So let's read this together. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we uh, come before you this morning. And we are thankful that your presence is here with us. We are thankful that we can gather together in a place where we don't have to be afraid of uh, meeting together, of being persecuted, but we can come joyfully together encouraging one another and, and stirring one another up to love and good works and we can worship you. Lord, we thank you for that reality. We, uh, we just ask that you would be honored and glorified here this morning. Amen. All right, so before we dive into our passage, I want to just share with you a few things about the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was most likely written in and around 60 to 70 AD. Um, and during this time, there was a ton of persecution, uh, physical persecution on the, on the Christian church, they were, uh, many, many people were being thrown in prison. They were getting beaten up for their, for walking out uh, their Christian life. And they're getting persecuted for meeting together publicly. And, uh, and so there was this, this reality where Christians were tempted. It's primarily a Jewish community of Christians and they were, they had come from their, their Jewish ways of doing things. They had been introduced to Jesus. <clears throat> and now they were walking in the ways of, of Christianity, this new way of life. And, but because of the persecution, they were tempted to neglect the things of, of Jesus. And go, going back, they were tempted to go back to their old way of life in Judaism. And uh, because... If they would do that, they wouldn't be persecuted or the persecution would be a lot less severe than worshiping Jesus. And so that's kind of the reality of what the author of Hebrews is writing into. Now, we don't really know who the author of Hebrews is. There are many speculations. Um, some theories are that Silas or Apollos wrote the books. Um, it was most likely someone who is in the circle, uh, the same circle um, of Paul, the Apostle Paul. 
And so some of the language in the book is similar to the Apostle Paul, but uh, it's highly unlikely that Paul wrote it. However, the author writes to his audience intending to encourage them in the midst of uh, their persecution, in the midst of getting thrown in jail. And he does this by telling them that Jesus is supreme. The supremacy of Jesus is far greater than uh, the Old Testament way of doing, or their Old Testament ways of doing things. Um, Jesus is far better than Moses, who brought the law to the people. Jesus is far better than the angels, which angels were held in high, high regard in the Jewish uh, system. Jesus was far better than Joshua. Joshua brought uh, the people of God into the promised land and brought, gave them rest. And the rest that Jesus brings is far better than the rest that Joshua would bring. Um, and Jesus is our great high priest. So the great high priest in the Old Testament, he would, he would bring a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And uh, Jesus became that sacrifice for us. And now Jesus is that great high priest. And so the author encourages his readers by saying, Jesus is far better than the old way of doing things. So don't go back to your old ways of doing things because you're under this extreme persecution, because it'll be easier. Don't, don't go back to those ways. And so that's the situation that we're, we're reading um, here. And so let's dive into our text here. Uh, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So he starts off with this reality he says, therefore, since this is our reality, since this is what Jesus Christ has done, since Jesus is way better than Moses, than Joshua, than um, all the old ways of doing things, he is now our great high priest. Since this is our reality, he gives us our, his first command. And the command he gives is to draw near. So don't shy back from God. Don't uh, run in the opposite direction because you're being persecuted, but actually, God has made a way for you to draw near to the heart of God. And that way was Jesus. So Jesus has made a way for you to draw near to the heart of God. So draw near to him. Start there. Don't do anything else, but draw near to the heart of God. He says, the author says, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, which Jesus opened up a new and living way by his death and resurrection, and since we now have a great high priest who has dealt with sin, now we can draw near. And how does he want us to draw near? The author gives us a few ways that we can draw near. He says, draw near with a true heart, with full assurance of faith, 
by having our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil con- from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water draw near to god fully knowing being fully assured that jesus has made a way to connect with the father sin has been dealt with we don't have to worry about that but we can now come with full assurance to the father and we can draw near to his heart don't turn away from god in the midst of your trials but draw near to god with uh, an assurance that this is possible now. If you fail and sin or screw up, draw near to his heart. And what happens when we draw near to the heart of God? I think a few things happen when we, when we take a step closer to the heart of God. We see more clearly who he is. We see his character. We are comforted by him. We are uplifted by him. We are convicted when we uh, miss the mark. And I think that one of the greatest things that happens when we draw near to the heart of God is that we not only see who he is, and then, uh, or sorry, we see who he is, and then from seeing who he is, he actually gives us our true identity. So when we see him in a clearer way, when we draw close to his heart, we actually become more aligned with who we are. We're his sons and his daughters. The author moves on, and in verse 10, chapter 10, 10 chapter sorry, chapter 10, verse 23, he says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is, for he who promised is faithful. So first, first the author, he says, I want you to draw near to the heart of God because Jesus has made a way. And, and in that place, we see him more clearly and we see ourselves more clearly. And then he says, hold fast to the confession of our hope. And this, this confession, I think, I believe, is what Jesus Christ himself has done, what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Hold fast to that confession, what we believe about who Jesus was. The... The Mennonite Brethren, sorry, we, Sunwest Church is a part of the Mennonite Brethren denomination. If you're a visitor here today, welcome. Um, you are now experiencing the Mennonite Brethren um, denomination. And because we are part of that denomination, we have a confession of faith. And uh, I've had to read it. Um, it's actually phenomenal uh, it's a phenomenal thing to read, very encouraging. And so we have this book, it's about 200, I think it's 238 pages of confession, confessing what we believe as the Mennonite brethren. And so there is everything from who is God, uh, what do we believe about creation, 
the nature of the church, salvation, baptism, marriage and family, and all these different topics, there's many more, uh, the Mennonite Brethren has written an entire book on what we confess to believe is true. And so the author is, is telling his readers to hold fast to that confession of what we believe. And so our confession of faith, the Mennonite Brethren Confession of Faith, uh, has this to say about salvation. It says, we believe that there is no name under heaven that can save us except the name of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Since that sad day when sin entered the world, indeed before the foundation of the world, our God has been a saving God, covering our shame, covering our sin, covenanting in faithfulness to receive all who call upon the name of the Lord. It says, we were too weak and blind to help ourselves, but while, yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. O blessed cross, our tree of life, on which we shed the precious blood, of, on which was shed the precious blood of Jesus, in which we find the healing of the nations. In Christ, we are the new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Together with all creation, we eagerly await the day when the heavens and earth will be renewed. And we will gather in joyous worship around the throne of God, singing songs of thanks to the Christ who was slain and now lives. We confess that all must receive salvation as a gracious gift of God, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith and not by works, so that no one can boast. We confess that all whom God adopts and are brought together as sisters and brothers are one new people of God. When we are together with all the saints, we grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. We confess that all who receive the love of God respond with lives of service and beauty, for we are God's works of art created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Give thanks to the Lord. God's steadfast love endures forever. So this is what we confess to be true from the written word of God. The written word of God, the Bible, we believe and we confess that this is what it, it means for salvation. And so hold fast, the author wants his readers to hold fast to the realities of this, uh, of what Jesus has done, how, of what God in Christ has done. Hold fast, cling to it, grasp it, uh, squeeze your hands around it as tight, tightly as you can, and do not let go. Because if you do, if you let go, you will be, you will waver. It says, um, the word here says. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. So the things that we confess about him to be true, he is faithful to fulfill those things. And so grasp them, hold on to them, cling to them. Don't let go. 
He is not faithful. He is faithful. He's not careless. He is not untrustworthy or disloyal or unstable or unsteady. Christ is a rock on which we can stand. And then thirdly, the author gives this uh, last command of the text. He says, stir up one another to love and good works. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. In light of what Christ has done, draw near to the heart of God. In light of what Christ has done, hold fast to that confession that he has brought salvation to the world, that he has brought salvation to mankind. Hold fast to that. Cling to it. Don't let go. And then from that place, consider how to stir up one another. And not just stir up one another for the sake of stirring one another up, but stirring up one another to love and good works. This Greek phrase, um, stir up, it actually, uh, in the Greek, I'm going to botch this up, but <laughs> it says, peroxismus. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. And what this means, it means to provoke or it means to spur on. And if you look up the definition of provoking or spurring on, it kind of means like ruffle the feathers or light a fire under someone's butt. <laughs> or spur on, you know, uh, the ho a horse rider will have spurs on the back of his boots to kick into the side of the horse. I can't imagine that the horse enjoys that. In fact, it's, my guess is it's a bit painful and it, it will spur on, it will agitate, it will provoke, it will light a fire in the horse to start running faster, 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 oh, more pain, faster, faster, oh, more pain, faster. You know, this idea of agitating or, or pushing or provoking, ruffling the feathers. And the author of Hebrews is saying, ruffle the feathers of one another to love and good works. Don't be lackadaisical about your love. Don't be lackadaisical about doing good. But do good. Like, come on. He gets irritated a little bit, I think. Um, like, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of hard times, in the midst of you're getting thrown in prison because you're doing this, uh, do good works. Don't be lazy. Don't shy back. Don't just sit in your house and read the Bible. <laughs> but actually go out and do good works. And then he says, not neglecting to meet together. Um, yeah, love and good works in the Christian life, not optional. Not optional. 
I do want to say one thing before we get into the good works talk, and that is good works, the love, uh, love must be the motivator, motivator for good works. Love must be the motor, motivator for good works. The umbrella of good works, here's good works, the umbrella has to be love. Jesus gave us the greatest commandment, and that was to love God and love your neighbor. The good works flow from a heart of loving God. So don't email me this week and say, Randall, you're religious. You just want people to do good things all the time. <laughs> no, I understand that good works have to be motivated by love, have to be motiv motivated uh, by an intimate relationship with the Lord. Ephesians 2, 10, the Apostle Paul says this, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, which God pre prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we were actually created in Christ to do good works. So this isn't a far-fetched idea that Randall's making up. This is actually what we created for. And God prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. So if that's what we were created for, I would argue that we need to live out our true identity in Christ. And how do we do this? First, we do this by loving God. And second, we do this by loving people and doing good works. Live for what you were created for. Live in your true identity, a life in the Holy Spirit, a life by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says this about the life of the Spirit. It says, A life by the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the good works that we are to walk in. Now I want to provoke you. Now I want to ruffle your feathers a little bit. James 2.17 says this. says, You have a faith, but you don't have good works. That faith is dead. That faith is actually no faith at all. That gets uncomfortable. <laughs> so these good works are actually proof of our faith. So you can have good works but no faith, and you can have faith but no good works. But they need to be both working together in order for your faith to be real. What is the ultimate reason for good works? 
Why does the author of Hebrews want us to provoke one another? Why does he want us to stir one another up unto love and good works? Why do we do good works? They're not, they're not for salvation, but they prove our salvation, but they don't, they don't give us salvation. We all know that salvation is by faith, uh, by grace through faith. Paul states that very clearly in his letter to the Ephesians, by grace through faith. But I, I would argue that the ultimate goal of our good works is found in the book of Matthew. And Jesus shares a very good reason for good works. He says this, Matthew 5, 13 through 16, you, me, are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In this same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The ultimate reason for good works is that the world would see God. All throughout the Old Testament, God is calling his people to live holy. God is calling his people to live different. God is calling his people to live righteous. Why? Not for the sake of being good. The reason why he's calling them to live righteously, to live holy lives, is so that they would be the best missionaries on earth. So that all the nations around them they are actually, the promised land, I've heard this a couple times, is actually situated where all the nations would actually come to, together. And that they, where they were situated, would actually uh, physically give them the best place to be a resource to the nations and be the best missionaries that they could be. They would live differently than every other nation. They would worship one God, not, a, not multiple gods. They wouldn't sacrifice humans. They wouldn't sacrifice... Um, yeah, they wouldn't uh, live in idolatry, but that they would live contrary to the other nations and they would live uh, doing good works to be a light in the world. And so now, Jesus says, you are a light to the world, and your good works actually reveals the Father through Christ to the world. So that, I would argue, is our main motivator, should be one of our main motivators to 
living differently, to living in good works. So I want to provoke you this morning to good works. And I have three reasons. Number one, I've already said them, so I'll recap them. Number one, you were created for them. You were created for good works. This is found in Ephesians 2.10. Number two, James 2.17 says, Your faith without works is dead. And number three, you are salt and light in this world. Bring flavor to the world. Bring color to this world. That's what you were called to do. You were created for this. Don't shy away from good works, but stir one another up. Provoke one another. Rustle your neighbor's feathers and provoke one another to good works. Forgive that person who cheated you. Don't repay evil for evil. Show your enemy the love of Christ. Don't be anxious about the things of the world. Don't store up things here on earth. This isn't always easy. You will be persecuted, just like the reader of Hebrews. But draw near to the heart of God in the midst. Hold fast. Cling to the confession of our hope. Jesus Christ, cling to him. You will be mocked. You will be laughed at. You will endure hardships. This morning I want to encourage you to good works, to love and good works. I'll invite the band up at this time. You can play softly in the background. Um, this week I was, uh, who's, does anyone use click and collect at Superstore? Amazing. You need to spend the $3 and use click and collect. (laughs) Anyways, um, this more, uh, so this past week I had, we had, my wife Becky had used click and collect and she wanted me to go pick up the groceries, and so I did, and got home, found out that uh, what she had ordered, we had actually been given wrong. And so a couple days later, I had some free time, and I went back and uh, wanted to bring these crackers back. And as I'm driving up to Superstore, I see, uh, I see this guy sitting on a box right in front of Superstore, and he looks like he's sleeping. He's crunched up, sleeping, sitting on a box. And immediately the thought goes through my mind, oh, don't return those crackers. Just give them to this guy. He's probably, it was, it was the week that was super cold. And uh, don't, don't return the, the crackers. Just give them to this guy. I had two boxes. They're like $5 for two boxes. And, uh, and so... I park my car, I grab the crackers, get out of the car, walk towards, and for some reason, I just keep walking right into the store. Don't even look at the guy. In fact, if I'm really honest, I take a different way that I don't have to walk right past him. And 
Um, I returned the crackers and uh, go into the store, find out they didn't even have the correct crackers. And so uh, return the crackers and go back to my car and drive home. And in my car, I'm like just beating myself up hardcore. I'm like, oh, Randall, like, come on. You couldn't even give away two boxes of crackers that were worth $5 to a guy who probably needed them. And uh, I tell you this story not to beat up on myself, but this right here, this story is why we need to provoke one another. We need to get under the skin of one another and we need to encourage one another and push each other forward and say, hey, let's meet together. Let's, let's encourage one another to do good works so that when you walk past that homeless man who's freezing outside, you can, you can have the courage to give him the, the box of crackers that you can step out and feel uncomfortable for 30 seconds and bless him. And I, I love God because he is such a God of redemption, but I actually got to re- be redeemed in this uh, yesterday. Or I think it was yesterday or the day before. We were back at Superstore again, and lo and behold, uh, the guy was sitting there again. And we had just walked out of the, we had walked out of Superstore and we had uh, put our groceries in our trunk and we get into the car and I see the guy sitting there. And we're, we had bought some sushi for lunch. So we were sitting in our car um, eating sushi and I keep on looking at this guy. I'm like, I have to, I have to. It's what God's calling us to do is to step out and get uncomfortable and bless people, bring the kingdom, bring flavor to this world, bring salt to the world. And so I grabbed a couple granola bars and some veggie crisps or something like that. And uh, got to walk, I walked over to him and, and uh, got to pray with him and bless him and encourage him. And he's currently looking for a job and a place to live. And and so, yeah, I just got to bless him with some food and, and, and pray with him. But these are the types of things, and again, don't hear, I'm not bragging on myself, but the Lord is faithful and gracious in, the, in those times. But I, w- I just want to encourage you guys to step out. My, I used to work with a guy, he's a, fr- a good friend. He said, he always used the word, step across the chicken line. Here's the chicken line. You're a chicken. I'm going to step across it. Not a chicken anymore. I'm going to step out in faith and obedience. And I'm actually going to get uncomfortable for a couple minutes. And I'm going to do good works. And I'm going to bring the kingdom to this world. And so I just encourage you guys this morning. I want to provoke you. I want to stir you up. I want to rustle your feathers, ruffle your feathers, and, and let's, let's go bring the kingdom to the world. Let's, uh, yeah, encourage one another. I, in your home groups, in your small groups, I just encourage you guys to stir one another up. Share where you guys are like, I'm fearful of this. I need courage in this area. 
I, I, I don't know if I could ever walk up to a homeless man and pray for him and give him some food, but share those things and then encourage one another. So Lord, we just, uh, we thank you this morning for your goodness. We thank you that you are a God of grace. We thank you that we can draw near to you and hold fast to the confession of hope. And finally, I just pray, Lord, that you would stir us up, that you would provoke us to love and good works, that you would um, allow us to step out and be uncomfortable and that you would fill us with your spirit so that we can bring salt and light to this world and we can, and uh, people will see you because of it. We love you, Jesus. Amen.